I am never going to financially recover from this. He's looking at you, kid. I had no, no status. I have to do it with the way that I play. It's not your loss. Coming up, some quick bites on Hamilton, Casablanca, Tiger King, The Last Dance, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and lots of children, a monkey, and a castle. Welcome everyone to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts, and thank you again for joining us for episode 5. I'm so excited to be sharing with you a special episode this week, a new format for the Film and Food Podcast, and I call it Quick Bites. In a Quick Bites episode, I will give you some quick film and food related thoughts on everything I've been watching lately, giving some insight and discussion, as well as giving you a few quick bite or snack recipes from everything that I've watched. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of films and a couple of TV shows, and I'm going to be giving you three snack or three quick bite recipes for you to try at home as well. It's worth the wait. This episode is going to be a great new format that we hope to keep going forward with on the podcast, because I don't always have the time to go into a full-depth film and food review for everything I watch, so this is a great way to catch you up on everything that I've been watching at the moment. And this is truly a mixed bag of an episode. We have an eccentric documentary, classics, a filmed musical, all in our lineup, and so we are certain there's something out there that we can recommend to you that you'll find new and can go and check all of these out yourself. So thank you for joining us. If this is your first episode on the Film and Food Podcast, your first time listening, welcome. We're a brand new podcast that is all about celebrating the culinary and cinematic achievements of lots of different films. Our main thing we do in the podcast is a film and food review, where we rate a film for both its food and its film quality and give you a film-inspired recipe to try at home for yourself. If you haven't already, after you listen to this episode, go and listen to our other episodes. Our first episode was a film and food review of Ratatouille. Our second episode was on my top 10 films of 2019. Our third episode was a film and food review of Julie and Julia. Our fourth episode was a film and food review of the film The 100 Foot Journey. And we also take listener recommendations. Our latest episode on The 100 Foot Journey was a fan recommendation. So if you have recommendations, if you want to get involved in the conversation of this podcast, well then, be sure to get in touch with us on email, fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. That's fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. Or jump on any of our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Film and Food Podcast for you to get involved. Give us movie recommendations. Get involved with the conversation around this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Finally, before we dive into this week's episode, you will be hearing my voice hopefully with a lot more clarity because this is the first episode that I'm using my brand new Rode microphone, which is very, very exciting. And we can't wait to continue to update and upgrade our podcast 
as we move forward. And so this is exciting. You're hearing my voice loud and clearly through this great Rode mic. So there's no real guest on the show today. I have my wife, Bethany, giving her thoughts on some of the things that I've cooked and some of the things that I've watched here and there, but this is mainly a solo episode. So get comfy. We're going to talk about a lot of films and a lot of TV shows as we talk about this Quick Bites episode. Also, we have a bunch of great things lined up, a bunch of cool guests and new things coming up on the podcast. So stay tuned and get excited. And without further ado, let's dive into our Quick Bites. Our first quick bite is for the film Hamilton. Hamilton is a 2020 American musical film comprising of a recording of the 2015 Broadway smash hit musical inspired by the 2004 biography Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. It was filmed over two different nights of the original Broadway cast's performance of Hamilton as well as an extra performance with no crowd so that they could get cameras up on stage to capture some close-ups and this musical in all its glory. This movie was originally planned to hit theaters next year, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the film had a digital release on Disney Plus on July 3rd, 2020. Now, you may not have seen or have encountered Hamilton before, but you would have been living under a rock if you hadn't heard of this Broadway phenomenon. Hamilton first hit Broadway in 2015 and soon swept the globe, winning 11 Tonys and winning a Grammy for its cast album. And this is what a lot of people say got the word out about this show. They did a full cast recording album, which is basically 95% of the whole show available to everyone because not everyone can get to New York to see this on Broadway and not everybody had the money to pay the tickets. And so how does the average person get into Hamilton? Well, they listen to the original cast recording album. Now for me, I'd heard of Hamilton before, but I hadn't had anything to do with it. I'd heard about it. I hadn't listened to any of the songs, but I was curious about what this movie was going to be. I knew that Hamilton was coming to Australia and that it was not going to really be a chance with the COVID-19 pandemic that we we're going to see it. And so my wife and I bit the bullet, subscribed to Disney Plus, and I must say that I was absolutely blown away. I went in with pretty muted expectations. I hadn't really heard about it. I knew that it was a smash hit, but I didn't really know what a filmed recording of Hamilton would look like. And there has been a bit of online debate about whether this is a movie or is it just a filmed recording of a Broadway show. Whatever you think it is, Hamilton is a masterpiece, a genius level look at the life of Alexander Hamilton and is just incredible in every single aspect. Of course, we have Lin-Manuel Miranda, who almost did everything in this movie. He produced the movie, he wrote the movie, he wrote the book of the movie, and he stars as Alexander Hamilton himself, as well as writing the music. We also have an amazing cast starring David Diggs, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Jonathan Groff, Christopher Jackson, Jasmine Cephas Jones, Leslie Odom Jr., Anthony Ramos, Philippa Sue, and so much more. And this cast absolutely brings it to this movie. And we'll talk more about that later. But this definitely has cinematic potential. It is, in my opinion, a movie. The way they use the different cameras, the way that this film is edited and put together, you know, giving us wide shots when we need to appreciate the beautiful staging and choreography and scale of the production, when we need to zero in and focus on a character in an important moment with a close-up, or whether the camera moves or spins as the 
you know, turntable on the stage moves or spins. It really is better than any front row seat you could have in a theater. And it's just such a gift for everyone at home to be able to watch this smash Broadway hit in all of its glory. Now, talking about that cast, the cast in this movie is unbelievably stellar. There is absolutely not one bad performance and Lin-Manuel Miranda himself may be the weakest member of the cast, even if he is still very, very good as the titular Alexander Hamilton. You have the charismatic David Diggs, who plays Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. You have Renee Elise Goldsberry, who blows us all away with Satisfied playing Angelica Schuyler. You have, you have Jonathan Groff playing King George. You have Christopher Jackson playing George Washington. And you have maybe the best performance in the show, Leslie Odom Jr. playing Aaron Burr. Plus, all of the other cast members and the ensemble all have to memorize the choreography, the dancing, the movements, when they bring in props, when they move and dance and shake other people's hands. The level of choreography and the rehearsing that must have gone into this is insane, as it is one of the most wordy performances in Broadway history. There is over 20,000 words in the space of the two hour and 35 minute runtime. And so this is a dense but incredibly powerful story. It's complex. It shows Alexander Hamilton's life, his flaws, his successes, and talks about legacy and talks about the American experiment and just really, really connects with today's issues especially right now with what the world is going through and what America is going through, Alexander Hamilton stands as a poignant reminder of the ideals that America was founded upon that it hasn't necessarily reached, but is always worth striving for to have a nation and a world where life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is available to all men and women. So I could talk hours and hours about Hamilton. It was directed by Thomas Cale. It has brilliant costumes, it has brilliant choreography, brilliant lighting. It just tells the story of this man in such a fluid way that this two hour and 45 minute runtime with an intermission just absolutely flies by. The music is incredibly catchy. The motifs in this movie are incredible. The motifs such as the music, there are different melodies that keep repeating. There are different parts of songs that repeat, different lyrics, different moments that all link into each other and just provide a tapestry of meaning, unlike anything I've seen before. In particular, the song Nonstop, which ends the first act, probably has at least 10 different musical motifs or lyrics that it refers to from the previous act, wrapping it all up in this truly non-stop of a song before leaving us into act two. And so, one, I just wanna say it again, this movie is a gift. This production, this Broadway musical has swept the globe and it definitely deserves all of the praise it gets. It is a masterwork. The cast album is a gift for everyone working after they've seen Hamilton who, you know, they need to work but they can listen to the play at the same time and get all of those songs stuck in their head and memorize all the lyrics and just, you know, sit and dwell and think about what this musical has achieved, what it says about today's issues and how much of a piece of art it is. And to be able to experience it as it is in this film is incredible. Now, I'm not going to make a quick bite snack for every single thing that I'm talking about on this episode because I'm talking about lots of things, but I do have a snack 
quick bite recipe for you to try with this movie. Now, there isn't too much food in the film Hamilton. There is, of course, the very important dinner, the room where it happens between Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and Hamilton that is very important and pivotal to the plot. But there's really no food for me to go off to get a recipe. So I did some research and my wife Beth found that soldiers in the American Revolutionary War actually ate pickled eggs. And she pointed me to a Jamie Oliver recipe that I was inspired from. And I have created a purple pickled egg. And you might think, wow, that's a bit out of my comfort zone. I don't really know if I want to eat that. Well, you don't have to eat it on its own. I have a pickled egg ramen recipe for you. A beautiful bowl of ramen, fresh and vibrant, with a purple pickled egg that will just bring the dish to completion that you can enjoy while watching this amazing movie. So, I like to expand your horizons here, and this one may be out of your comfort zone, but just the sight of seeing a purple pickled egg is something that's worth making these even if you don't like eating them when it comes to eating them. And it has a little bit of an American Revolutionary soldier kind of flair to the dish. So that recipe will be found at our website, filmandfoodpodcast.com. It'll be in the show notes of this week's episode. It'll be on all of our social medias. You can't miss it. So please make that recipe. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you went. Send us your photos. And we're about to move on to our next quick bite. Our second film that we're talking about today is the 2019 film, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Now, if you were listening to my second episode on my top 10 films of 2019, you would know that I hadn't got a chance to see this movie, even though I'd heard so much about it. It was released at the Sundance Film Festival in early 2019, and I saw the trailer like everyone else did and was blown away by what this movie looked like, plus all the good reviews, all the hype around it, And it was something that I was eagerly waiting for as the 2019 film year went along. But alas, with a lot of movies that are released in America and especially independent films, there was no worldwide release for this movie. And so I had to wait until now to be able to see it. Of course, if you want to go watch this movie, I actually found it on YouTube Films. So if you type this into YouTube, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, You can either rent this or buy it and enjoy this great movie. If you have a smart TV, you can pop it up on there. I really recommend you doing so. So this film is directed by Joe Talbot. Its screenplay is by Joe Talbot and Rob Richard, and it stars Jimmy Fales, Jonathan Majors, Tachina Arnold, Rob Morgan, Finn Whitrock, Danny Glover, and more. The movie follows a young black man trying to reclaim his childhood home a now very expensive Victorian house in a gentrified neighborhood of San Francisco. And of course, this is a debut feature of director and producer Joe Talbot. He made this film in collaboration with the main actor, Jimmy Fails, who plays the titular Jimmy Fails in the movie The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And this is a beautiful, stunningly produced film. And I think this movie would definitely be in my top 10 films of 2019 now that I've seen it. when As you watch this film, you are immediately drawn in by the breathtaking, gorgeous cinematography, the incredible music by Emile Mosseri, maybe some of my favorite music of all of 2019, and the performances of Jimmy Fales and Jonathan Majors as his friend Montgomery. Jimmy and Mont are best friends, and they ride around San Francisco on their skateboard, 
and Jimmy stays at Jonathan's house. That's where he lives. But Jimmy has his eyes and mind set on only one thing, which is reclaiming his childhood home in this gentrified neighborhood of San Francisco. The movie follows him as he goes to all the lengths of trying to secure this property, which he believes is built by his grandfather in the 1940s, to make it his home. And this leads to all sorts of different encounters and wrestles with the gentrified and new neighborhood that is being formed as these streets become rich and as people like Jimmy and the black community are unable to purchase or afford the houses that were once their families. And gentrification is a huge part of this film. What is home? What does it mean to fight for your land or to fight for your home or to reclaim your destiny or to not give up, to be fixated on something? And a really powerful theme of this movie is that people aren't just one thing. People aren't just one thing. This is something Jimmy has to wrestle with. Is Jimmy more than this house? Why is this house worth so much to him? And why is he willing to go to all of these lengths to get it back, to take care of it? And there is a striking difference between Jimmy, who doesn't live in the house, and the older white couple living in the house, who aren't taking care of the property. And so as this couple goes out for groceries or leaves the house, Jimmy sneaks over with Mont and is able to, you know, repaint windows or to fix up the back garden or do whatever it needs to be done to make take care of the house. And even though Jimmy doesn't have the money to eventually buy this house, we see his care and love for the neighborhood and love for the house is something that is stronger than the people living in it, even though they have the money to afford it. And this exploration of neighborhoods and homes and identity and working out and discussing how people aren't just one thing, they're complex and our identities continue to be formed and shaped by where we live and who we interact with and who our friends are. And we go through a profound journey of exploring all of these things in ourselves. The performances are brilliant, of course, by Jimmy Fails, but the standout here is Jonathan Majors as Montgomery. We have an amazing pivotal scene at the end, the titular scene of the movie, where Mont is appealing to Jimmy to change his ways, to let go of the house. But more than this, Mont is unique. He is a person so self-assured, even though everybody else criticizes him for his eccentric ways, he knows who he is and he stands as a great contrast between his life and Jimmy's. The Last Black Man in San Francisco is a beautiful, beautiful movie that deals with important, poignant themes, and I recommend anybody to watch this film. So, I also have a quick bite recipe for The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Again, this is a movie that doesn't have too much food, but I have made a San Francisco-style coffee cake for you to try at home. Now, this is a beautiful, rich cake, and I've made this gluten-free because my wife is gluten-free, but in the recipe card, you're going to find a gluten-free and a non-gluten-free version, and this is just the perfect treat for you to watch The Last Black Man in San Francisco with and enjoy a San Francisco-style coffee cake. I highly recommend the icing. The cake had a really light, tasty crumb and complexity from the nice sugars you used and beautiful coffee flavor throughout. It was just really well balanced and yummy and perfect with a cup of tea.
amazing. So that recipe, again, is on our website, in our socials. Find it, try it, take photos, let us know, brag about it to your friends, share it and watch this movie and get in touch with us and enjoy watching The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Our third quick bite of this episode is for the documentary Lots of Kids, a Monkey and a Castle. This Spanish language documentary is Spanish actor Gustavo Salmaron stepping behind the camera to capture the winsome eccentricities of his extraordinary mother, Julita, who had three dreams, having lots of kids, owning a monkey, and living in a castle. And yes, I know what you mean. That sounds crazy. That sounds so interesting and unique. And that is what both Beth and I first felt when we watched the trailer of this movie at the Golden Age Cinema in Surrey Hills, Sydney, 18 months ago. We watched this trailer and we were immediately intrigued. However, we never saw the Golden Age actually release the movie. And my wife Beth had been constantly thinking, trying to remember anything about the movie, to Google it, to look it up, to try and discover where it is. However, I'll let her tell the story. We are watching a documentary, and it's not just any documentary. There's a bit of a a story behind it. Yes, this is actually my selection, although we both saw the trailer um, when we went and saw a different film last year at The Golden Age, and I kept checking the upcoming screenings, hoping I would see it again. I had forgotten the title, and so I would just find myself Googling every so often, um, you know, Eastern European documentary, documentary where they search for the mother's bones, documentary where a lady inherits a castle and has a lot of children and goes on camping holidays. Nothing. Could not find it, unsurprisingly. Um, So in the end... Devastating. Devastating. I resorted to emailing the Golden Age, who were fantastic. And this is how I described the movie to them. Uh, I think it was a foreign language documentary in Eastern Europe, perhaps, filmed by the son of a woman who had raised several children with a simple but happy childhood involving summer camping road trips who, in her later life, comes to inherit a castle slash and or fortune. The castle is somewhat dilapidated and the only other scene I remember is the woman and some other relatives turning over stones in a river looking for her grandmother's bones. Um, and they very kindly said, replied back and said, this sounds like it could only be Lots of kids, a monkey and a castle. So very grateful to Tiana at the Golden Age for recognising our movie. Hashtag shout out to the Golden Age. I don't know why I hashtag that, but Golden Age Cinema and Bar in Surrey Hills in Sydney is one of our faves. Maybe you should patent that. Audible hashtags. Audible hashtags. Yeah, that's crazy. Just click on that But, you know, Golden Age, if you want to sponsor this podcast, we'll do a deal with you. We love you. Go to the Golden Age Cinema in Surrey Hills, especially now that it's back open. Support their business. They're great. Uh, it's a new, very unique cinema experience. But yeah, we're excited about this documentary. It's Spanish language. It's... I'm interested to see how much of my memory of the trailer ends up being true because it's <coughs> in Spain, not it's a in Eastern good Europe. good memory. So we watched the we'll trailer see. when 8th mm. grade came out and we saw that in 2018 or early 2019. Mm. So it's been at least 18 months since we've seen it's that trailer. So you've done an amazing job and hopefully <clears throat> this is an amazing movie. Maybe we'll check in, in at the end. Sounds good. All right. Let's do this. And so, alas, finally, we got onto YouTube Movies and found this documentary. 
and what a documentary it is. This is one of the most interesting slice of life documentaries that I've ever seen. It follows, of course, Jolita, who really is the main character of the movie. She has, as the documentary says, lots of kids. She once owned a monkey and her and her family are living in a castle. The movie follows this family and follows Julita as they have to move out of the family home in the castle into a smaller house. We follow and listen to Julita who grew up in the middle of the Spanish Civil War and who is a self-confessed hoarder. It is so funny and so interesting to see her go through all of the different amounts of things that she has in her house from for clothes for little tiny dolls to her tiny little figurines and everything else we see her as she interacts with her husband interacts with her kids and reflects on her life and reflects on her legacy it's a heartwarming and funny film and it is clear that Julita absolutely loves the attention and absolutely loves having the camera put on her for the whole movie and she of course lives up to this having a great camera presence and ability to talk about herself and talk about her story when it comes to the documentary she absolutely loves being on the screen and there are some rare moments where she's able to reflect on her life as her mother as a wife and you know reflect on maybe the areas where she fell short or the areas where the spanish civil war affected the way she lives today how she grew up not having much at all, hardly having anything in the middle of the revolution, and now can't bear to pass with the things that she owns. They say that this is life, this is her life wrapped up in her possessions, and it's so hard for her to let go of them after everything that she's been through. However, a bunch of these more serious somber moments are always undercut by her showing us something cute or eccentric from her collection of items that she has in her house. Now, this is really one to just go in to see and watch without too much expectations. It's really charming, it's really endearing, it's hilarious. The family dynamic, Hulita herself, is just great to watch and we just get to see the family in action as they go about the very funny and very sad task of having to leave their home to unpack everything and to move into a smaller home. And so I highly, highly recommend this. And I want to pass it over to Beth to share her reflections on this movie. What did you think of the movie, babe? I really enjoyed it. Um, it was quirky, like I expected, a lot of funny one-liners. And unexpected, it made me, you know, interested to look more into the history of Spain. You can tell that the civil wars had a big impact mm. on their lives and now it's kind of been bookended by the economic crisis. So even though it's very much a movie about their family, I don't think you see anyone who's not related to them in the whole movie. Mm. But then it is their, their kind of broader world is in there. So it does pique my curiosity, which I always like about a movie. And food-wise, one of my favourite scenes had to be um, she's sitting there eating a a baguette breadstick kind of thing. I don't know if it has another word, if it's Spanish or if it's mm. a baguette for them too. Um, but she's basically saying, this bread is so good, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night. And one of her sons asks why the bread would make her get up in the middle of the night. Because I'm so attracted to it. I'll have to eat it. 
Anyway, um, so that's one recommended snack for this film. Mm. What did you think of it, babe? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, like everything you said, amazing one-liners, lots of funny little scenes. Like she has an extendable fork that she uses to prod her husband in the middle of the night, like her love games, so that, you know, when he's making sounds, like... Oh, yeah, that was... Anyway, but yeah, like pokes her husband so that he can turn around and be like, I'm... And then she's like, oh, you're alive, cool. <laughs> no, no, I've done nothing. Put my fork away. Um, but yeah, like interesting family dynamic and like obviously like has something to say about possessions and, and her life mm-hmm. and spirituality. Like at the end, the, the director who is, you know, her son... He's like, is there anything deeper that you want to say? And she's like, no, like, except the death is coming. Like, it seems like she wants more out of her life. She wants to be a better person, but she's almost been weighed down by becoming rich. Almost. It's very, it's a, it's, 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 there's so much, like, it's more hilarious than I thought. She's got good food. It's 90 minutes long. Really good. Those early Civil War experiences of having nothing and only eating rice, I think it's not uncommon for people who have had that sort of childhood to become hoarders later in life. Like, And even not to the level of hoarding, but people who have been through the Depression, they might save um, things just in case they're useful, which so I think that is partly part of her problem. It's not just having become rich. It's that she's now, she already had this tendency to keep stuff, but now she's got way more stuff than she otherwise would have had. That's true. Um, well, definite recommend. It is on... Tell them about the sandwich that shocked you. Oh, there's a sandwich in the movie that I thought was just like... A plate of food. A plate of, you know, food with baked eggs on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it looks Spanish. She just pulls out this, like... Top, you know, you cut a bread roll in half, and there's the top half of like a, a bread roll, um, but like the top half of this bread roll is like the size of a thirty centimeter dinner plate. She just plonks it on top of the, the baked eggs, and you realise that this is a sandwich that's like the size of a thirty centimeter dinner plate. I just wanted to eat it. Like surprisingly, I would like if I was going to give this a food rating, like I would give it a solid five. Like, and that's not bad considering that I had no idea if there would be food in this. So, you know, definitely watch it. And the other really funny food one is she's looking through their hugely messy and disorganized house trying to find her sleeping pills when she reveals that the night before she was up till 3am looking for the sleeping pills until she gave up and had to make herself a chorizo sandwich instead. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of relatable food moments. A lot of relatable things. So you go, yes. Amen. Um, so if you are intrigued, if you want to watch a Spanish language movie, I really encourage you to go and watch Lots of Kids, A Monkey and a Castle. Again, it's on YouTube Movies. If you just type that in and if you just type that in, you can rent or buy it. Put it up on your smart TV. It's 
only an hour and 30 minutes, and it's definitely something that is worth your time. So this is also the last quick bite recipe that I have for you this episode. And this recipe is for the 3 a.m. chorizo sandwich. There's a very funny little talking head in the documentary where Julita talks about not being able to sleep. And so at 3 a.m. she just resorts to having a chorizo sandwich. And I thought, what a perfect snack to be able to watch with this documentary. And so this is a quick, easy and delicious recipe using the great chorizo Spanish sausage. So go find that recipe again on our website, in our show notes, everywhere on social media and give it a try and enjoy your chorizo sandwich as you watch lots of kids, a monkey and a castle. Now, moving on to our next quick bites, I have two classic films that I've watched over the past couple of months to talk about. However, I don't have any recipes for them because, as I said, I can't make seven recipes for one episode of this podcast. Maybe one day, but I just don't have the time. The first film that I want to talk about is Casablanca. Casablanca, of course, is directed by Michael Curtis and stars Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. It follows a cynical American expatriate who struggles to decide whether or not he should help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape French Morocco. Of course, Casablanca is one of the most famous and well-known classic movies of all time. It won Best Picture, Best Director and Best Screenplay at the 1944 Academy Awards and has grown over the past 70 years to be one of the most quoted and one of the most beloved movies of all time. And so Beth and I, while we were on holiday in a very cute bed and breakfast in the Blue Mountains, they had Casablanca on VCR to be able to watch. And so we watched this movie on one of our holiday nights and it was just delightful. It has a brilliant screenplay Arguably one of the best screenplays of all time as it weaves together intrigue, love affairs and different political elements of the war into a really gripping and engaging story. This is just a classic for a reason, has a brilliant screenplay, it's brilliantly shot, has brilliant performances from Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman and Claude Rains and it just has some of the best quotes of all time. Here's looking at you kid. And we'll always have Paris. And out of all of the gin bars in all the world, she would show up to mine. Really, I recommend if you haven't watched this movie before, go and check it out. Expand your horizons a bit and just see a beautiful drama romance set in the wartime in the intrigue, the romance. It's just a great movie night for everybody to watch. Plus, again, it's another short movie classic who we all love short movies under two hours it's only an hour and 42 minutes so definitely make time in your schedule to watch this the next classic movie that i want to talk about was one that i only just watched recently for my 25th birthday i was able to convince beth to go and see lawrence of arabia in 70 millimeters at our local theater the hayden orpheum in cremorne and what an experience this was. Of course, Lawrence of Arabia is directed by the legendary David Lean. It stars Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, and a bunch more, and is just one of the greatest cinematic experiences you can have. This is an epic film in every single way. It goes for nearly four hours, including an intermission, 
and has some of the most grand scale scenes in all of movie history. Clearly, this is a movie designed to be on a big screen. Just thinking about how they made this movie back in 1962 in the deserts of Morocco and all of the places they filmed is just mind-boggling to think about. It has some of the best cinematography in all film history, an incredible score, and just brilliant performances and a complex portrait of this incredible man, T.E. Lawrence, who was able to do so much for the people of Arabia in World War I. And those four hours just fly by. You are riveted every single moment, and I was just astonished by how much of the screen they use. You have these epic wide landscapes of the deserts of you know people looking like minuscule specks against the broad brilliant nature that is surrounding them just illustrating the wide depths of the desert and just the scale of everything they have to traverse this is really one of the best films of all time and seeing it in a cinema is just an incredible experience that i really recommend for every single person to watch it is a powerful, complex portrait that is both inspiring and sobering, leaving you wrestling again and again about the complexities of war, but also the necessity and the bravery of people who are left fighting in these wars. So, again, a huge recommendation from me. I really, really, really enjoyed Lawrence of Arabia. So, Casablanca, Lawrence of Arabia, these are two absolutely well-known classic films that I highly encourage you to watch if you get a chance. Okay, so our final two quick bites are for some TV shows that I've been able to catch up on during the time that I've had Netflix. So, Beth and I got Netflix only about three or four weeks ago, and so I've been able to catch up on some quarantine, some COVID-19 shows that... I'm probably a bit late to the party with, but I want to talk about anyway. And the first one I want to talk about is, of course, Tiger King. Now, you really must have been living under a rock if you did not hear about Tiger King, the documentary that spread the whole world over and caught the world on fire as we were all stuck at home quarantining in the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. And, of course, this documentary follows a rivalry between big cat personalities that takes a dark turn when Joe Exotic, a animal park boss, is caught in a murder-for-hire plot. This documentary truly is an absolute roller coaster of a ride that goes from 0 to 10 very, very quickly. It's truly mind-boggling to see the ins and outs of the exotic animal world in America. I truly can't describe just how shocking it is to go through episode by episode and think, this can't get any crazier, this couldn't be any wilder, but it just keeps getting better and better, and it makes for some really investing, engaging TV that is truly addictive, and you just want to keep watching episode after episode. Of course, you have the feud between Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin, you have all the conspiracy theories, all the memes, all of the stories around these people. And it is just lightning in a bottle that has captured the whole world. And I definitely recommend, of course, for those of you who find these subjects a little bit intense or a little bit confronting, there are some scenes in this documentary that are going to be super confronting. And we're talking about some quite despicable people doing quite despicable things. So just be warned. 
but if you're in for a wild, fascinating ride, then I definitely recommend Tiger King. Of course, if you haven't watched it already, I may be the last person on planet Earth to have watched this documentary. And then, our final quick bite of this episode is The Last Dance, the documentary series again on Netflix, looking at the career and life of legendary, greatest all-time basketball player, Michael Jordan. Now, for all of you who love sport, and I have loved the NBA for at least 12 years now, and I'm not into it as much as I used to be, but every single person on planet Earth probably knows who Michael Jordan is. He's the most recognizable, most famous sports celebrity, sports personality in the whole world. This 10-part feature on the rise of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls is truly riveting television. The production level of this documentary is insane. The amount of people they have to interview and, of course, watching Michael Jordan's rise and fall in his career is something absolutely riveting and engaging. And even if you're not a sports fan, it might even be interesting enough to draw you in. Michael Jordan, of course, is an incredibly competitive, incredibly strong-willed person who was not necessarily well-liked, but without a doubt was the greatest basketball player to have ever lived. And so to watch the different characters, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, the drama around the front office who were not willing to keep this team together after their 97-98 championship campaign, all of this makes for such engaging television and we know the key moments that Michael Jordan features in, his amazing shots, his amazing last second attempts, his legacy of going 6-0 and in the finals, winning six finals, losing none, two back-to-back three-peats. It is truly the stuff of a legend and we get to witness the behind the scenes like never before. And so if you're a sports nut like me, if you love the NBA, there's some true and utter gold as we see, you know, the back and forth between Michael Jordan and Larry Bird or just the little moments that we have not had access to before. This is just a great watch and had me wanting to keep watching every single episode. Again, this was a COVID-19 release documentary and probably heaps and peeps of people have already watched it. But if you haven't, can't recommend it enough. The Last Dance. Whoa. Wow, that was a lot. We talked about a lot of movies, a couple of TV shows, and I gave you three film-based recipes for you to try at home with this episode. There is so much for you to digest in there. There's so much for you to chew on. There is a bunch of cooking for you to do. So I really hope you enjoyed this new Quick Bites episode. I love talking about what I've been catching up on. We do have more film and food reviews coming up in the future, and we hope to be a little bit more regular on our schedule as we move along in our podcast journey. So that about does it for this week, our first ever episode of Quick Bites. If you would like to support this podcast, well, I would love to have coffee with you. That's right. You can support this podcast by donating a coffee to us. Coffee is a website that supports artists by allowing its fans to donate the price of a coffee to the artist. So 
If you go on any of our social media pages or on our website or look in the show notes, you will find the link to our coffee page if you would like to donate a coffee to us to share your support of this podcast. Of course, this is completely optional. You don't have to do this at all. We do this for free and because we love it. But if you would like to support us, we would love to have coffee with you and thank you so much for donating if you do so. If you enjoyed this podcast, can I ask you a favor? Share it with a friend. We're still new to the podcasting game and we would love to get our word out there. You can also support us by going onto iTunes and leaving your five-star reviews and ratings, which helps get our show noticed to the people that need to hear it. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Make sure you email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. That's fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. And join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know how you went with the recipe. What did you think of all of these movies or TV shows? Give us feedback, suggest a movie to review. The most important thing is to join the conversation. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening.